Technology is advancing at pace across the energy sector. As we progress towards net zero, we want you to stay ahead of the conversation. Welcome to the Net Zero Technology Centre's podcast series, Transition Talks, where we'll be joined by industry experts at the forefront of the energy transition as we examine the challenge and explore the solutions. Welcome, Elva Bannon, to the podcast. It's really nice to have you here. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Fantastic. So what I'd like to do is, I guess, introduce you to the listeners. Um, and who best to do the introduction than yourself? Let's talk about you for a bit first. So what do you do? Where do you do it? And um, let's take it from there. So I am Research and Engineering Manager with Wave Energy Scotland. And I manage a small team looking at the research required to help the current technologies we have reach commercialisation. We are a Scottish government funded agency, originally set up as part of Highlands and Islands Enterprise, but with a remit to look after wave energy technology across the whole of Scotland and indeed the UK and Europe. We use a project funding model that hasn't really been used before in the wave energy sector. Um, We're a team full of engineers. Pretty much everyone has some sort of a background in wave or tidal energy technology development. So we kind of like act as additional engineers with eyes on a project that we're funding, making sure the technology is progressing in a way that we as a sector need it to, to make sure that we can cut down the time between where we are with development and commercialisation. That sounds fascinating, but I'm always really interested to learn how you actually got to that role. So just give us a little bit of a potted history as to, you know, how did you find yourself you know, ending up within Wave Energy Scotland? I always knew I was going to be an engineer of some description. I'd studied mechatronics in Ireland. And when I went to do a master's, the various subjects that were available to me kind of got me headed down the route to renewable energy. The master's supervisor that I had, had a couple of friends and contacts within the wave energy sector. So my master's thesis ended up being on wave energy, something that I didn't really know too much about at the time. What was your thesis about? Array interactions of wave energy devices. So I was looking at the ideal spacing between devices in a fictitious farm along the west coast of Ireland. Has that been useful in your career, taking up forward? Yeah, absolutely. After my master's, then I worked with a wave energy technology developer in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Everything from being in the workshop, physically building one of our test models through to data analysis and computer programming. From there, then I took a job in Scotland doing similar sort of thing, kind of data analysis, scale model building and testing, and then moved into Wave Energy Scotland using that technical background that I had in technology development, looking more at project funding, innovation processes, and then feeding into policy. So Wave Energy in Scotland has been around for quite a while, and there's been various, I guess, commercial companies who've been trying to really get this technology up off the ground to varying degrees of success. So I'm really interested to hear what you think your Wave Energy Scotland's all about, how you're helping those companies, and then we can talk about, you know, I guess, some of the success stories. So first of all, tell me a little bit about Wave Energy Scotland's remit. We are a Scottish government funding agency. We take various different technologies from early stage development through to ATSI trials. So at the moment, we have one company that's in the water in Orkney and another one who's just finished their sea trials up there. One of these started as a basic sketch, not quite on a napkin, but um, in a computer model. 
And they've taken their technology straight through from small scale testing, shape optimization through to various different testing and then in the water in Orkney. Okay. So we have funded projects covering a whole different range of kind of subcomponents that are required to build a successful wave energy device. That includes control systems, materials. We have projects at the moment looking at quick connection systems. So a way to quickly connect the moorings and or electrical cable of a wave energy device. So that means that somebody can get out to site and test, make all of those connections as quickly and easily as possible. So the idea is to reduce the time, cost and risk of offshore operations. Yeah. So that sounds pretty handy. It's almost like a demonstration lab at sea. So one of the things that I'm kind of keen for the listeners to understand is really what do we mean when we talk about wave energy? How would you describe it? So anyone who's stood on a coast during the storm can see these huge big waves coming in or anyone who's surfed can feel the power in the wave when it knocks you over. And there's a huge amount of energy in the waves. And the key to trying to tap into that is understanding how a big structure will move in the water and how you can turn some of that into usable energy. Depending on where you are, the wave conditions are very different. So the idea that the wave energy sector will eventually just have one design. It's like if you talk to somebody about wind turbine, everyone knows what a wind turbine looks like, but we won't reach the same point with wave energy because the sea conditions vary so much. We have some designs that sit on the surface of the water, some are designed to be mounted on the seabed, some are just partway down the water column. And that complexity and conditions complexity in where in the water you decide to put your device means that there's additional design challenges to go along with that. So wave energy tends to be along the exposed coastlines in Scotland. The northwest coast is kind of the best place for that. One of the other challenges is that the wave resource is often, like I said, on exposed coastlines where you don't tend to have huge populations. So some of the arguments about People don't want to be able to see these technologies. It's kind of not really that common with wave energy because they may tend to be deployed in places where there aren't that many people, but then you need a grid connection. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different elements that you need to start considering about what type of technology you need, what your resource is, and where that site might be. So Elva, when I'm thinking about wave energy in general in Scotland, it's been around for a long time. You know, wave energy companies have popped up in Scotland over the last 10, 15 years, and it hasn't really taken off. It seems like there's been a lot of development and you're still at the starting gate in terms of development and testing, improving, but it hasn't got past that stage to scale so that the costs can start to come down. So I often wonder, why is that? Why do you think that is? The wave energy sector saw a bit of a reset in about 2013, 2014. A lot of the big names in the wave energy sector in the UK and Ireland were having a bit of trouble trying to get private investment. At the time, all of the kind of research and development money coming from government sources was matched funds. So all of these companies were competing against each other to try and get the private investment to match the funds that were available from government. As private investors started to pull out, all of these companies started to close. And the Scottish government had been looking at 
what was wrong, what was happening, why were all of these companies that were seen as world leaders in the technology started to close. And through various number of workshops and talking to various stakeholders, they realised that the technology hadn't gotten to a point where it was proven to not work, but the funding schemes didn't work. So Wave Energy Scotland was set up at the tail end of 2014 to try and address this issue with the funding models that were available for technology development. And the funding model that we have allows us to give additional support to these technology development companies compared to what had been around before. One of the questions I always ask myself about Wave Energy when when we're thinking about it here is how much power can we reasonably expect Wave Energy Technologies to contribute to the UK's energy system? So right now, I think we don't have any. So what's the projection? A recent report from Supergen ORE Hub has shown the economic value that could be brought into the UK economy from deployment of wave and tidal energy. And the report shows that by 2050, there could be six gigawatts installed around the UK of wave energy. And that brings just over two billion investments into the UK economy. Wow. And right now, I understand that you're testing up in Orkney. So I guess islands in particular must be fantastic places where these devices could make a difference to the energy system. There are different motivations for developing wave energy. And some of that is utility scale. And some of that is remote or island communities where they maybe don't have a strong grid connection, but they have great resource. And Orkney is actually a really good testing ground for new renewables because they're relatively isolated community and they're very keen to see renewables as like the main part of their electricity mix there. And different governments around the world have different motivations with developing technology. So, for example, the US Department of Energy has specifically run funding calls for desalination, which is a big issue, especially for very remote islands. And again, for remote communities where they might be trying to replace diesel generators or they don't have strong grid connection. And Extra electricity in a place opens up other opportunities for more housing and development and business and industry. So having local generation can actually open up a huge world of economic development opportunities for some of these remote areas. And I guess in comparison to wind, it's different, isn't it? Because the wave power is much more predictable than wind states. Wave is more predictable than wind. Again, a surfer will kind of know you watch the surf forecast. You can tell a day or two ahead of time what the wave conditions are going to be like. So in terms of predictability, wave is not as predictable as tidal because we know from here to eternity basically what the tidal resource will be in certain areas. But wave energy is more predictable than wind. And the two of them kind of happen at a different time. So if you have a storm, you get the wind energy fairly soon or during a storm. And then a short time afterwards, you get the wave energy. So wind and wave are quite a good combination to have together so that it kind of like helps balance some of the electricity going onto the grid because they don't happen at exactly the same time. So sounds like um, if we invest in wave energy technology, that could be a good, I guess, synergistic technology to have in conjunction with wind. How much investment is there actually going into wave right now from West's point of view, from the Wave Energy Scotland's perspective? The investment into wave energy is relatively small when you look at what has gone into other sectors. Mm -hmm. So 
since it was established in about 2014, Wave Energy Scotland has invested around 50 million in all of the projects that we funded. In other sectors, that is a very small amount of money. So depending on who you talk to, they think 50 million is way too much and we should have achieved more Mm. than we have at the moment. Compared to other sectors and other early stage renewables, that's not actually a huge amount of money. And the conditions at sea, the challenges that we face within the wave energy sector are quite large. And there are certain testing requirements that you can only do once you're in the water. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you build something to go out at sea, everything just costs so much more. So trying to get to the point of putting something in the water is quite expensive for every technology. And the Wave Energy Scotland program has funded novel wave energy devices. So we started a few years back with eight devices and we got as far as two to test them in the water in Orkney. And at each point within that kind of like down select, we looked at the technology performance and their expected full-scale costs. And getting them into the water is such a huge achievement. And it's the only real proving ground for this technology. Other technologies have the benefit of being able to test at full scale in a lab or on land. But as soon as you put something, you put a prototype in the water, it's just a whole different world of every time. Different level of costs, really. Yeah. And the weather is such an important factor in it as well. So you have like small windows of when the weather is right to be able to go out to site, to be able to test something, to be able to change something. So just very small tweaks in your technology could take days to complete because you're sitting around waiting for the weather. Fascinating. It makes me think about the journey that offshore wind has gone through to get to the point where now it's being scaled up in significant ways. And obviously, we now we're looking at pushing out further from the coastline and going floating offshore wind. And as part of that particular process, the cost for offshore wind in terms of power generation costs has come down significantly. So now it's extremely cheap. Where do you think the wave energy scene is in that kind of process? Are we still at high cost, high expensive electricity generation stage? But can you see it actually getting cheaper with scale? So wave energy is expensive right now because we're still at prototype stage for the majority of technologies across the world. But we have seen that huge reduction in costs that's coming with offshore wind and floating offshore wind. And there's no reason that the exact same thing can't happen for wave energy. We do need to get to economies of scale. And once we have more deployment time, we have more devices in the water, all of the operations and maintenance costs come down. And another element of that as well is once we've built confidence with investors, the cost of finance comes down, the cost of insurance comes down. So trying to get full-scale devices tested in the water is really important. So then we can start to get onto that trajectory that we've seen with offshore winds to get those costs really right down. So having lots of tests going on is important, apart from Wave Energy Scotland. Where else in the world do you see testing being done? You mentioned the States earlier on. So is there quite a lot of effort being put into Wave Energy elsewhere? The US Department of Energy has been working on this for years and years And we have a couple of different collaborations with them. Their main test site is in Hawaii and they have another test site in Oregon and predominantly along the West Coast. Other states, um, so for example, New York are starting to look at some wave energy devices. In Europe, then 
Spain, Portugal, France have all been testing various different devices. Australia has had some experience in this as well in New Zealand. But Scotland really has the longest history of wave energy development. EMEC, so the European Marine Energy Centre in Orkney, has an incredible reputation across the world and has tested more wave and tidal devices than all of the other test centres put together. And having that facility up the road where we can design our technologies and send them up there for testing is absolutely fantastic to have such a facility. Within Edinburgh, the University of Edinburgh, again, has been part of the development of wave energy going back decades. And Professor Stephen Salter is one of the biggest names in early wave energy development. And through some of the people that studied with him and some of the spin-out companies, the University of Edinburgh has an incredible reputation as well. They have a facility called FlowWave, so it's a large circular wave tank. And again, people come from all over the world to test this facility. So again, Scotland and the technology developers here are blessed with having small-scale facilities at their fingertips. So given all of that, can we expect to see wave energy devices dotted up and down the coastline of Scotland in significant quantities in the next 10, 15, 20 years? Yes, is a short answer to that. One of the things that we need to keep in mind is all of the huge investment that's going into the Scotland projects. And there may be opportunities for the wave energy sector and offshore wind to collaborate looking at combined sites, combined electrical infrastructure, grid connections, operations and maintenance spaces, manufacturing facilities. So the development of the offshore wind projects in Scotland gives an extra benefit to the wave energy sector because all of these facilities and supply chain is going to be developed anyway. So that should give us a bit of a, a boost in terms of rolling out wave energy devices. And here at the Net Zero Technology Centre, we have a little bit of experience with a wave energy technology company as well, because some time ago as part of our accelerator programme, we took on a company called uh, Motion, who had an idea. We helped them to commercialise that idea in terms of getting them uh, pitch ready for funding and so on. And they've since gone on to do big things. And part of what they've been doing is working with Wave Energy Scotland. So what have you been doing with those guys? Because they're in the news all the time. It's great to hear how well they're doing. As part of the Wave Energy Scotland programme, we have funded novel wave energy devices. And two of those companies came through the programme and have tested in the water in Orkney. One of them is AWS Ocean Energy, a company based out of Inverness, and they're testing the water at the moment. Motion, again, came through the same program and they tested last year. The device is back on shore, getting ready for redeployment with some partners that I believe are probably familiar to the audience of Verloom and Baker Hughes. So the idea of that project is for the wave energy device to charge batteries. So offshore applications or onshore? The offshore applications. Okay. So Motion started in the Wave Energy Scotland programme as just a general idea. And we've taken them through the technology development process from early stage designs, scale model testing, and now to real world conditions and a real application of the technology that they've built. So it's great to see the success of a joint support for a Wave Energy company here in Scotland. And hopefully we'll see much more of that coming through both in our accelerator programme and your programme to get them into demonstration phase. You mentioned AWS, so I'm quite keen to hear about other 
wave energy companies that might be out there in Scotland in particular. So who would you nominate as being successful, relatively successful, or ones to look out for in terms of uh, types of technologies and stages of development? So Motion and AWS are the two technologies that have come through the Competitive Wave Energy Scotland programme. So they are the two to look out for in Scotland. We have supported other technologies that are looking at novel materials, power takeoff systems, control systems, and quick connection systems. So I think the quick connection systems are a technology that we're developing to make available to wave energy developers, but will also be applicable to others. So I know that some of our companies are having conversations with, say, wind developers to see if this technology is useful for them. So the companies developing these technologies are Blackfish Engineering, Quotient, and Apollo. Yes, and Apollo, obviously, they have a well-known to us here at the centre as well because they have a genesis in the oil and gas industry. So interestingly enough, the project, once they graduated from our TechX programme, Motion then went into our solution centre, which you know paired them up with a project to see if they could use that technology to power offshore wells, subsea wells. So you can see the links between all the energy sectors actually converging here. You've got oil and gas using wave energy. You're talking about offshore wind using wave energy. So it's interesting how things are coming together. So is that how you see things happening at Wave Energy Scotland as well? Everything's converging? With technology development, we need to keep an eye out for what other sectors are developing and what their needs are. And decarbonising the North Sea is going to need a whole array of different types of technologies. So the motion project where they're using wave energy to power batteries that can then be used for various applications, including ROVs, I think is a really interesting application of a new form of energy. The development of the supply chain in Scotland for Scotwind means that we need to see how we can tap into that for both wave energy and possibly tidal developers are looking at that idea as well. Scotwind is so big that it can't be ignored. They expect investment of about 1 billion per gigawatt installed from the Scotwind projects. So that's something that every investor is going to want to want a part of. So if we can tap into that as the wave energy sector, using the economies of scale they're building up in terms of manufacturing facilities and vessels, then it means that we don't have to do some of that supply chain development ourselves. And I think the whole energy system is really complicated and really interlinked and trying to develop one technology in isolation to everything else is just not going to work. We have to look at where the potential customers are for the technology that's been developed and trying to get partners from the oil and gas sector to come into renewables is really important as well because they have their own targets that they need to meet for decarbonizing and renewable energy. So if we as a wave energy sector can develop some of the technologies that they need, then it's a win-win for everyone. Well, Elva, it's been fascinating to hear about Wave Energy Scotland and the projects that you've been working on, but also your own journey, you know, coming into the sector. And before we started, I think you mentioned that Wave Energy Scotland is a relatively small organization in terms of people, but you know, there's not many women engineers that you come across in your sector, I think you said. So what would your message be to sort of young young women out there who are thinking about this as a particular career choice? If you follow whatever your passion is, I don't think you should let anyone try and get in the way of that. If you are the only woman in an engineering class, just don't let that put you off. And I think 
some people might not like being kind of singled out. But if you're the only woman in a room and if people are paying attention to you or noticing you, then just say something useful and use it to your advantage. Fantastic advice. So thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. Nice to see you and meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Transition Talks. You can listen to all podcasts at netzerotc.com forward slash podcasts, or you can subscribe to get instant access to all the new episodes before they drop. See you next time.